You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The NHL season is packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years plus. Restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 192 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday. March Madness Sunday. That's what we're going to do today, folks. We're going to talk about brackets. No, we're not. I'm just kidding. Nobody wants to hear about your bracket. Uh, but no, how's everybody doing? Hold on, folks over there. Yeah, I'm going to shut the light off here, folks. I'm just going to, uh, yeah, Saturday night here as I'm recording. Late Saturday night. What is it? 10, 15? Uh, sitting in the dark here in the basement. Wife's sick upstairs, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I th- figured I'd come down here, talk to you guys for a little while. Um, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, um, a couple, to- couple topics came up. In the. I was kind of really st- struggling for... Um, content um really wasn't quite sure uh tried to get a hold of a cat uh was unsuccessful in doing that so once again you're stuck with me i don't know what it is i was saying to uh, a couple guys yesterday and the day before um well when dave and i went went out drinking and stuff it was um uh 
I was just saying it's, and I, Alec and I have talked about this at, at length, but, uh, it, it's just, and Joe as well. It's just funny how it goes in waves. It really does. Sometimes you cannot get anyone to like pick up the phone. And then other times it's like, yeah, it's just like, it daily like, just seems like boom, boom, boom. You, you can just knock them out one after another. And, uh, yeah, it just happened to be kind of in a drought right now. Talk to some guys. Um, you know, I have a few, I, I have some guys with some ideas lined up, um, for a couple more of the season ticket series. Um, we got an East Coast League one and, uh, and, uh, UK one that I think will be really fun. Um, it was just, it was a great season over there with tough guys and, and, um, yeah, and they're, you know, hardcore fan. I've had, it was with John. I mean, I've had him on before, but he knows what's going on over there. And, uh, so he's researching that. Yeah, and I think it's, it's um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Um, Luciano, I talked to him. We're going to do a little Dave Semenko special. Him, uh, he's a real big uh, Semenko guy, and he's uh, and he's done a lot of research into Big Dave's uh, uh, career and with newspaper articles and, and video, and, and he's always on the hunt for video, for all that stuff. And um, uh, I talked to him uh, a couple, was well, probably two weeks now, uh, two weeks ago, about uh, – uh, coming on and, and doing a special, uh, you know, Semenko thing. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I have some guys lined up. We've got some players lined up. They're just uh, freeing up time. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, I mean, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get rolling here again. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, just, Fuck, a bit of a drought, but what can you do? Um, anyway, uh, what I will do, speaking of March Madness, but not basketball, um, I had mentioned online, um, and I had asked for some suggestions. Uh, John, I got your email. Appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. Um, I definitely used a couple off your list for sure. Um, and I, and thank you to everybody that, that took the time to, to reply to my tweet and to my, uh, Facebook post. Um, just asking, um, I don't, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Well, to be completely honest, one, um, and the big thing is, is when doing a, basically I'm going to do another Twitter turn. Although I don't, now that I'm saying it, I don't know if I'm going to put it on Twitter. I think I actually might put it on Facebook. The only thing I've never done a tournament on Facebook. The only thing that kind of bugs me is you can't put pictures. Like I always kind of put pictures on with the tweets as, as well as like the polling uh, information or like the voting thing, but you can't do that on Facebook. It's only just, it's only um, just text. And uh, that kind of bugs me. Um, I kind of wish it was, uh, like I could put a picture of the, like a graphic of the guys up, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, basically with the tournament, I'm, I, I call it kind of whatever, a tag team tournament, or dynamic duos, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, uh, basically just, just what it is, uh, what duos throughout hockey, um, you know, we're just going to do 64 of those, like Laws and Morrell and Fakoda and Baumgartner and, uh, Twist and Chase and Ray and May and blah, 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 on and on. And, uh, I threw a couple of minor league, Ramsey and Engelstad, you know, just, Hey, I want some minor league guys, Robert's brothers, you know, just cause that's so unique. Right. Um, you know, throw some minor league guys in there, throws, you know, it's all in good fun. Get people talking about them. Um, 
I mean, you know, be completely on Like, I didn't want to, but I mean, I guess I'll put Probert and Coaster in it. I mean, they're going to win anyway. I mean, that's the, that's the lame part of this. And so, like, a part of me wasn't going to put Probert in, but then it's like, do I really want to answer 72 friggin' text messages about why Probert's not in it? So, I don't know. It'll just be, you know, whatever. We'll see. But, because I, I, I did this tag, the tag team tournament, um, Oh, year, years ago, it was the first year I started doing these tournaments. So I think that was about, I don't know, five years ago or whatever. And, um, I only did the tag team one once and I didn't put Probert in it. And, um, oh yeah, and I heard all about it and whatever. So I'm like, uh, you know, at this point I really don't care. So I'll just put him, I'll put him and Coaster in and whatever. They can destroy everybody and then it'll sort of prove my point. And, uh. But anyway, but beyond that, I think the other 63 teams will be fun to talk about for a little while. So I'm still deciding whether to put that on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, Like Facebook, I think it would get a lot more activity. It's just on Twitter, I just like the presentation better. So I don't know, maybe I'm just getting hung up on it. Who gives a shit? Just do it on Facebook. Maybe that's what I'll do. But anyway, that'll be coming up. Um... And like I said, not that I'm overly anxious to do more voting tournaments, but um, I th- I think it'll be uh, I, I'm really only kind of just doing it for uh, content because then I can do a, a preview uh, episode, and I'm not sure who I'm going to ask to be on the to be on it. Oh, pardon me, folks. Yeah, it's late here. I've uh, I've yawned a couple times in your ear. Pardon me. I'll have to edit that out. I say I'm going to edit it out. I'm not, I'm not going to edit that out. Um, um, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, there's a couple guys I want to get a hold of. I wouldn't mind having two people on and just kind of do a kind of a little a little roundtable type, and we just go, just go over the first round and talk about the guys and and whatever. And I I don't know. I like doing that. Um, I did that with um, uh, Alec and and Jay. Uh, for the minor league tournament, and I believe I did it with, was it Steve that I had on for the Probert one? I believe it was. Um, and, and those guys are great, and it's not no slight to them or anything. Um, just, you know, maybe get a new voice um, on the show. So, you know, uh, so we'll see. That, that could be, um, I kept saying I'm going to have it on Saturday, um, but... Uh, we'll see if that's the case then I'm going to have to get somebody here in the, in well, tomorrow, the day after and, um, uh, record the preview show. So might be another week. We'll see. But anyway, at some point we're going to be doing a tag team spectacular. So if you're not on social media, please sign up, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook, be, uh, follow me on, on either platform anyway. But, um, as I'm sitting here, I get, I'll put it on Facebook. May as well. I'll try the Facebook tournament out. So if you're on Facebook, just, follow, uh, I think everybody in the world at some point had a Facebook account. If you, it's been a long time, uh, log back in, fire it back up and, uh, fourth line voice. It's, it's written out on Facebook. I, I couldn't use the numbers. So, you know, F-O-U-T-R, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, follow me on Facebook and, uh, and, and get, and we'll get voting. I think there'll be a lot of fun. So. That is coming up, but um, 
Well, before we get into the the different topics, um, you know, obviously we'll talk about the sponsors of the show. I got to get the people, the people that pay the bills. Um, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. Uh, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Uh, oh, the Flyer, I'm sure the Flyer podcast will be all fired up as they traded Giroux away today. Um, yeah, well, the deadline's coming up. So those guys will be, uh, you know, they'll have lots to talk about on their shows. So yeah, like I said, whatever, uh, whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, I got Mud Show down there in Florida. Oh, it's a sad day, folks. He's out there tailgating his final Florida Everblades game uh, as a resident down in Florida. Of course, him and his lovely wife are moving to North Kakalaki, and uh, that'll be it for the uh, for the Florida Everblades. Um, although I know he's got the the family still in Florida, so obviously they'll be back. I'm sure he'll go to a few more games, but I know his season ticket package was just sort of a. Uh, it must have been like a whatever you call it a you can buy a certain amount of games or whatever but he tweeted out today was his last game so but i know he had a lot of fun at those games and uh yeah well at the start of the year there i mean the the everblades had a tough guys and and gave gave those guys something to cheer about and i know alec really got into the east coast league scene and um actually if you're if you're if you're so inclined uh definitely check out alec's uh, uh youtube channel the five for fighting, uh, five for fighting channel on YouTube. Uh, he's putting all these coast league stuff up there. Um, yeah, it's been cool. He's got the last couple of years up and, uh, and you know, and, oh, and he's got fans from around the league send him like phone, uh, you know, videos and shit. It's kind of a little, uh, underground kind of network that they got going there. So it's cool. So, cause otherwise, um, that's a real underrepresented league. Like I said, um, we always joke, but really, I don't know what the deal is. But the East Coast League's re- always been really anal about their footage getting out. And they'll send you season assists and copyright restrictions. And they'll shut your sh- friggin' YouTube channel down if you're put Because I ho- even HockeyFights.com, I mean, they have every league up except for the East Coast League. And, yeah, so somebody slapped their hands as well. So, like, And I, you know, I said the NHL and the American League and all these, like, the affiliate, like, the big league... Um, they have no problem with people putting their fights up, but then there's the East Coast League uh, bitching about it. So I have no idea why. I don't know. The more Alec and I were talking about it, it's probably more so the, I think it's probably the internet company that's, that puts the game, I don't like, for the NHL, it's a center ice package. Whatever the East Coast League package happens to be, that might be who is the one that has the issue, not so much the league. Um, that's just my opinion on it i'm not you know as we speculate but regardless um yeah east coast league footage is a is a bitch to find so it's been really cool to uh to to have alec and the people um that he's come in contact with really sharing sharing that footage because uh yeah it's tough even in this day and age it's tough to see that stuff so no it's cool so he does a bang up job um and well i'm back to the podcast like i said five five for fighting podcast um Remember the six pack coverage network. And, uh, yeah, he just had, uh, Jack Gregg on for the second time. Um, he had, uh, the first time he had him on, obviously they did the interview and talked about his Jack's whole career, but, uh, this one, Jack's a, a coach. So, uh, I have it downloaded. I haven't had an opportunity to listen to it yet. I'll have to listen to it in the truck on Monday, but, uh, uh, yeah, but Jack's coaching and stuff. So they, I think they just talk about the, you know, obviously the difference of when he played and coaching now and talking to the guys and what he, expects and hockey today's hockey and that type of thing so um but i i I really enjoyed jack's first interview it was it was uh 
uh, told great stories, really well spoken. So I really enjoyed it. And, you know, and it's not a knock on Jack or anything, but I, I wasn't really aware of who he was, uh, before the interview. Um, you know, I'd seen his name, you know, on a few, on the old, you know, hockey DB and on a few fight, like he fought some tough dudes. So I remember seeing his name on people's fight cards and stuff, but there isn't a lot of footage of him. So I was really unaware of, of who he was. And, uh, but like I said, uh, listened to the interview, really enjoyed it, uh, learned a lot. And, uh, and that's what I always say, guys, just, uh, with all the shows, not only, you know, not my, just myself, but with Alex show and Joe's show, just cause you don't know a guy. Um, like I said, don't, don't just, uh, pass the episode, bypass the episode. I think, uh, tune in. The guys all have great stories and, uh, like I always say, they'll, they'll eventually mention someone, you know, so, but, um. Yeah, Ed, but anyway, Jack was a great guest, and I'm really looking forward to listening to that. And like I said, Alec does a great job. So um, I know that sometimes, you know, I always call him the mud show and stuff. I actually kind of kind of feeling bad he's leaving Florida there. We're not going to get the Everglades, the Everblades updates and all that. But uh, I don't know where they're going in North Carolina. I'm not. I don't know if there's any teams around there. So I don't know what's going to be happening. I don't know. Maybe he'll become. Maybe we'll start getting uh, friggin'. I don't know basketball update. Maybe he'll join the basketball network or something. Who knows? I don't know. He can be the round mound of rebound. Something like that. Him and his friggin' yeah, a tailgate. Yeah, he's got a picture of his friggin' jacked up little Jeep there and his bush beer and uh I said if this isn't the definition of friggin' mud show, I don't know what is in this picture. I don't know. I I do I do clean I had to wash my eyes out after watching looking at that. But anyway, five for fighting podcast. Give him a listen. And then, of course, we got Broadway Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito! What more is there to say? That's it. I'm not going to say anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Broadway Joe, New York Islander. Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander enforcer podcast. Joe's been around the block. He's on episode 101 of 82. It's an inside joke. You'll figure it out. I like it. Joe's last episode. He actually goes into in-depth in detail of why and why they're numbered like that. I love it. I was giving Joe shit about the New York math. It's that, it's that New York, uh, that, that Long Island education system in their math. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Joe, Joe wasn't wearing his flip-flops, so he couldn't count to 20. So, but, uh, what was I saying? I, I got, I got delayed there. What were we doing? Um, Oh yes, Jolton Joe. No, Joe's a tremendous individual, and like I said, it's a Islander specific podcast. Despite the fact that he works at MSG in downtown New York, in the hub, in the world's famous arena. But like I said, that's how slick Joe is. He can get away with it. He can be a, he's a secret agent in there. But uh, tremendous back catalog for Coda, Ewan, uh, Bolton, uh, Strudwig, on and on. And uh, you know, and I've known Joe since the old message board the fried chicken message board days in the in the late 90s um went back to trading vhs tapes they're all really date joe and i yeah vhs tapes oh but uh man were they those those damn things were expensive to mail boys and girls let me tell you um no and it's just funny to think now you can just upload it on your computer and you can send a link and you can download it and yeah that's it you know there's no shit you don't have to mail things anymore um Oh, the world we live in, the technology, unbelievable. But uh, that's why I said we have all the technology now and the ability to see every league and no one fights. Ugh, anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Joe, actually, his latest episode um, 
he uh, he did with another friend of mine, uh, Yuka out in Finland. And um, he said, in all seriousness, though, it was really good. It was really well done. It was an Andre Skruko um, kind of not a, uh, not a tribute show. Wow, it's just a special. Uh, Andre was a uh, Ukrainian, uh, born in the U- uh, the Ukraine, and uh, big tough D man. He came over. Uh, to North America, played in the minors in the East Coast League, AHL, and the IHL. Um, tough dude, man. Look up some of his on some of my ch- on my channel. I have some of his fights, but yeah, and um, and he's friends with Yuka uh, from over from over there, and uh, and and Yuka talks about their friendship and just uh, um, what Andre had to go through going over to North America and playing that enforcer role and. Uh, or learning how to play the enforcer role while learning North American hockey and the language and everything else that came with it. And, uh, I know when I had, uh, when I had Yuka on my show and we just talked about some of the battles that the European players went through coming over to North America and playing, um, not only the enforcer role, but just like life in general coming over, um, and the obstacles they face, not only against the opposition, but teammates as well, not liking them and not helping because it's like you're taking, uh, taking a Canadian boy's spot, right? And you, or whatever. And, uh, so it was, they faced a lot of obstacles, those guys. And I had never actually really thought about it in that sense. So it was a really, uh, I really enjoyed having UConn to talk about that. And it was really eye opening to me. Um, but, uh, and he kind of reiterates the same thing on Joe's show, but tells a few more stories and, uh, the big thing is, of course, well, I mean, obviously, I don't want to tell everybody, everybody listening knows about the conflict, obviously, in the UK and, or the, the Ukraine, pardon me, and, uh, and Russia. And, uh, and yeah, and Andre, despite, uh, you know, uh, the hockey coach and everything else, but at 46 years old, picked up a gun and, yeah, and he's defending his country. And, uh, and, and, and it was really, um, and it's a really uh, touching episode, really, with and with Yuko at the start when they're just talking, and like you said, he hasn't heard, like he doesn't know how his friends do. He doesn't know if he's alive or dead or what's going on, you know. And no one really knows, right? With going with the conflict over there, and uh, yeah, and it's really just, you know, what, what you know, what can I say to, you know, it's just a real sad situation. I really hope it, uh, you know, they can they can fix that and and, and come to an agreement and. You know, let's all put the guns down and uh, and get back to living. I mean, no one wants war, and uh, yeah, it's not good for anybody. So, hopefully, that can uh, that conflict can um, get resolved, and uh, we can all get back to, you know, the Ukraine can can go back to. Well, at this point, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cleanup, a lot of devastation that's happened, and you know, and, uh, a lot of tragedy. But uh, hopefully. Um, you know, we can quickly come to a, get a resolution and start rebuilding and, uh, you know, and, and, and march on. But, uh, in the meantime, um, you know, uh, those are tough people and brave people. And, uh, you know, my thoughts go out to them and, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, Andre and, and everyone over there, uh, is safe. But, uh, but Yuka, uh, tremendous guy, um, like I said, had him on the show, um, he helps me, he's helped me out behind the scenes on my show and just a really good dude. And, uh, and he's doing a real, you know, he's raising money for the, for the, uh, for the effort over there and, uh, with UNICEF and everything else. And, um, a couple thousand dollars already raised with the, with the jerseys and the picture and all that type of thing. And, and, uh, like I said, good dude. And, um, yeah. And, and, uh, if you need the links to help out, uh, Joe will have them in the, in the, in the ep- in the episode description, if not, you, and you don't, you know, get a hold of me, and I can certainly point you in the right direction. And uh, 
yeah, and he, he's doing great things. And, and Yuka's the man, I'm telling you. And uh, him and Joe did a great job in the episode. Really, guys, everybody, if you're, I don't know who Andre's group call is, I'm not going to let, it's not about, seriously, tune in. The stories are great. Learn about an individual, a brave individual. And uh, it's a great episode, and I cannot recommend it enough. So please do that. So that is the Coliseum Chronicle podcast with Joe Lazito. Um, yeah, it's on all the pod, all the networks or all the platforms. Jeez, spit it out on all major platforms. So definitely give it a listen. But uh, yes, bang up job, boys. But uh, all right, folks. Um, well, back to this mud show. What are we going to talk about? Um, well, like I said. Um, at the top of the, did I, did I say at the top of the show what we're going to talk about? I don't know. I'm looking at my piece of paper here. Like I said, it's late. Now it's, we're rolling. It's almost 11 o'clock. So, um, uh, I was, I was saying today that, um, <laughs> I, I was sort of sitting here sort of, um, yeah, like I said, stuck for, uh, topics and, uh, but face the, fa- the Facebook fight groups once again did not disappoint. And, uh, I found some topics, um, but I got my list too. Don't worry, Tim. I got a list coming for you. Oh, don't you worry. It, it'll, it is the, uh, uh, what is it? It's a, is it the top eight? Oh, now, now I'm lost it. Top, toughest seven, the tough, the Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs, seven best tough guys is that is the, uh, link description. So we'll get into that in a bit, but, uh, I think I did a Leafs one though. I think it was like the top twenty Leafs or something. I believe I've had to have done a Leafs episode. Like I said, all this shit runs together after a while, but we'll see. I mean, there's plenty. <laughs> I hope it's bad. I always say I hope it's kind of bad because then it's like it's a lot more fun to take the piss out of these lists. But um, we're gonna do that. But one of the topics uh, that came up on the message board, well, and not just recently, and I've touched on these before. I've touched on this stuff before, but. Um, basically it's just, it's, it's amusing at this point, but, um, well, it's kind of, you know, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad kind of thing, but, um, the Ryan Reeves hate, um, we're going to talk about that. And, uh, um, and a, and a gentleman had posted a topic about, um, how these kids nowadays don't really know how to fight. And it's a lot more dangerous now than it was 20 years ago. Um, of course, which was met with many comments, and Mark uh, <laughs> and Marco Cefalo got told, "Let me tell you, by Bill there, you know, <laughs> Marco, do you think you're some sort of expert?" <laughs> but um, um, no, it was, uh, and, and it's a statement that I, 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 it's a topic that again that I've talked about. Um, I somewhat agree with them. I will, I, I will sort of, um, I, I will, I, we'll talk about that topic and, uh, but, and sort of what I'm getting at in a second, but, uh, but yeah. And then of course, um, with the list, the seven, no, what is it? Set eight, no, seven, seven toughest leafs. Yeah. So we're really organized tonight here, folks. Um, here, hold on. My throat's killing me. Give me a sec. <clears throat> okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's get into this. Yeah, so the Reeves thing. Um, and I will say with the Ryan Reeves hate, it sort of reminds me, like, oh, I know I always reference back to the old fight message boards and stuff, but 
it sort of reminds me what LaRock and, and Brashear and like kind of the top guys, not so much McGratton. Oh, maybe he at the end, but I was kind of out of the message boards at the time McGratton was sort of around. But, um, anyway, just kind of top dogs. They always sort of, um, Scott Parker used to get it a lot too. There was some real polarizing characters on the, on the fight boards. And, um, and then there's other guys that just like walked on water and, um, you know, and whatever. But I always said, I always, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this a million times, but, um, and I'm, and I'm sure I'm, I'm a broken record at this point, but, um, I, I'm always amazed and embarrassed for these, for people, for like grown adults that can't get out of their fandom, that it can't get out of the way. They can't see, or they can't see past their fandom, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's like, come on, man, like, just stop. Like, and I guess, and I, and like I said, I've said it before, um, you know, and I'm an old, I'm an old fart, you know, whatever. It's just as old as some of these guys posting and, and everything else. But I can, I can, uh, I can really see in a lot of ways with the younger generation sees when they read this stuff and they just must roll their eyes and everything. Um, cause a lot of times I am too. And it's the credit that's given to the, the eighties guys and nineties guys. Well, okay. Time out there. I guess it well, it becomes double edge. One, the credit that's given to them by older people that, like I would say, history's revisionist. And it's just like everybody in the eighties was just a kicking, it was just a kick ass machine. And, um, and at the same time, um, well, and on the, and on the other side of that, of course, they're, they're, it's just everybody now is, um, well, it's either they're not tough enough and they haven't done it enough and whatever, which there is something to be said about that. But then there's the ones that, oh, they just, they're so much better now. They're better trained. They're better athletes. And they are. But there, there are certain things that it doesn't, that are sort of, um, evergreen. And, um, like with old Bill here, who was arguing with Marco about balance. And he kept going on and on about balance and how today's, av- the average player today would whip around and just throw down a tough guy from the eighties because their balance is better. It's like, skate blades haven't gotten any bigger like and he's just oh the leg strength and all this like and i mean i get it with the training and everything today i yes i get it but okay so it's like troy frederick or i don't i'm using or i don't know is is, is brady to chuck would he just whip craig baruby around because of leg strength you know it's like that's basically what you're saying but he's like, oh no! They, I mean, they would take some shots and stuff, and they'd get pummeled. But they would get thrown down. It, like, it's just, what are you talking about? And I'm laughing because Marco's trying to tell this guy, like, I get what you're saying with the training and stuff, and you're not wrong there. But it's like, he's like, balance is balance, man. It doesn't matter what era and whatever. And this guy's, oh yeah, like you're some kind of expert, and I'm like, oh, it's just like, oh, like do some fucking hockey DB, man. Like really. And, and Marco was being cool with him. He wasn't whatever. But finally, like, Marco just did say to him, like, dude, have you ever been in a fight? Like, do you even know what you're... I've been in plenty. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, in what? Roller hockey? Like, you have no hockey DB profile or anything, so you never played at any level that allowed fighting. So, oh, because you, maybe you got into a couple fights in drop-in. Yeah, 
so, but Mr. Fucking Leg Strength here is, uh, all of a sudden he became the, the spokesperson for, for fighting in hockey in the, in 2022. You know, it's just like, oh, I, sw- I, I, like, I love the color of the sky in some of these guys' world is what would be amazing. I don't know what color of the rainbow they see, but it's just like, just legends in their own mind. It's unbelievable. But anyway. Um, yeah, to go to the whole, well, what am I, I'm ranting about, I, I'm sort of mixing in, but I'm, I'm mixing things in between here with the Reeves and with this, um, sorry, I'm getting off track here. Um, no, but with the Reeves thing, um, yeah, it's just, well, I see he fought Maroon tonight in a shit fight. Well, it wasn't his fight. He was, there was a shit fight tonight. He wasn't trying, but you know, Maroon's hold on and ducking away for dear life, but um, but even then it's like, I don't know, like Reeves just looks bored. Like he doesn't even want to fight anymore. It's like, what are you, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like just, oh, and then you know, I turned down Chara the other night, but I don't blame him. Like, oh, it's like, oh yeah. Like it just, once again, this whole, I'm, I'm not even going to get into all the Chara bullshit. It's just like, whatever. I mean, I saw the clip. It's like, yeah, did you watch anything? Like, Reeves was on the ice for 45 seconds, body and guys, and, then, and he knocked Chara on his ass in, one, in the corner, and then they came out, whatever. The Chara kind of gives him a little shot with a stick, kind of like, you know, hey, let's go, and then Reeves just, you know, went to the bench. But it's like, oh, yeah, ducking him. Like, oh, God. Like, just, you're just, cl- you're just clinging to anything, right? Like, give it a rest. Like, end of his shift. Like, just, uh like whatever, it's just. But anyway, I had put a picture of Reeves fighting Bissonette up on Facebook, and Reeves is landing a shot on him. And I said something like Ryan Reeves finds the range on Biz or something like that. It was just a picture. Oh, and right away, I mean, you got to get the everybody jumping in, and the one guy's like, "Well, Biz was never that great of a fighter," and it's like, "Well, I don't ever anybody recalling um, saying that Bissonette was." And Bissonette's another guy that's polarizing. I mean, of course, everybody knows Paul Bissonette and Biz Nasty and the Spit and Chiglets and all that. And and he's an outspoken character on social media and everything else. And but I mean, and I'm not a regular listener of Spit. I have nothing against Spit and Chiglets. I just don't really listen to other hockey podcasts. But if they have a guest on now, I've listened to him before. And I've listened to I when Biz was on Terry Ryan's show. And I mean, I've listened to enough Biz episodes and. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I find him entertaining. He's good. Um, I, he himself, I don't think, unless somebody could prove me wrong, but I've never heard Paul Bissonette himself talk about how tough he was or whatever. In fact, he's always been very self-deprecating and kind of sort of insinuates that he was a punching bag and he was a lousy hockey player, you know, which he wasn't. Um, I, I know it's always fun to shit talk biz and I mean, and that's a shtick, right? And the other guys like on that, the TNT show there. I mean, you're always sitting there with talking Gretzky. So yeah, okay. Really, obviously biz is going to be the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the shittiest guy on the panel talent wise. But I mean, really though, he still played in the NHL and stuff. Let's, I mean, despite like, you know, he'll say something. I mean, you get all the other idiots calling them, you get all the friggin' internet dorks trying to be cool or, you know, you pigeon, you know, biz is a plug, like some loser that like, you know, place drop in hockey, like calling Bissonette a plug. It's like, oh, okay. Like, I know that's the kind of the, the, the sweet chirp to do, but 
at the end of the day, let's let's look at this. Bissonette was an OHL All-Star. He was an East Coast League All-Star. He was playing in the American Hockey League. He realized he did not have the talent as a defenseman to play at the NHL level. Other than outside of maybe a call-up here or there for a few games to fill in. But to be an NHL regular, he didn't have the talent. And he recognized that. So he decided to add fighting to his game. He was a physical guy before and would fight occasionally. And he's a fairly big dude. I think Biz was 6'2", whatever. But um, but he took it to the level where it's like, okay, Pittsburgh doesn't have anybody. I'll step in and play that enforcer role. And, and he did. And, uh, yeah, he played, I don't know how many games in the NHL, 200 and some. And um, he was fine. Was he a killer? No. Was he a punching bag? No. Like, for his era, he he, he was fine. I mean, win some, lose some. And, you know... I, I don't, I don't think anyone out there is claiming Biz was some killer. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure maybe there's some fanboys out there that will, but it, for me, as from my, in my opinion, for whatever that's worth, um, now Biz was a was a middle of the road tough guy. I mean, he could he could pick up a win on you, but he could. He could lose too. I mean, whatever. But he was there and performed the role. And I, and like I said with these, like I've always said with the fight message with the Facebook fight groups. Fuck, no one hates fighters more more than the fight group. I mean, I I don't know for supposed guys that are supposed to be big fight fans and enforcer fans. All they do is just shit on these guys. So. I mean, if if it was anybody playing after two thousand and five, apparently they're just they're they're soft and pussies and and whatever, you know. And like, oh well, Biz would get murdered back in the day by who? 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 Brian Curran, Neil Sheehy, Tori Robertson? Are these guys going to take the shit? Are they just going to kick the shit out of Biz? Like, what do you? What are you talking about? Couldn't survive, you know, he'd get mopped up nightly. Well, I don't know. Curran and Robertson and them all played four or five hundred, six hundred NHL games. They managed to survive and I don't see them as big, huge fighters. I mean, they would fight, but I don't, you know, like Neil Sheehy, was he scaring anybody? He played how long? How many hundreds of games did he play? So he wasn't getting mopped up nightly. So, I, I, like, what... what like I said, what fantasy land do you live in? It's just, you know. And it's the same thing with Reeves. And these guys are arguing with Reeves. And, well, is he beating Twist? No. Is he beating Probert? No. Coaster? No. Well, like, and I'm like laughing at this guy. I'm like, so to prove your point, and what was the other two? Oh, Goddard and Bugard. Is he beating any of these guys? I'm like, well, I don't, again, who are you arguing with? No one's saying Reeves could but at the same time it's like I don't know Chris Tamer and Herb Raglan Francois LaRue managed to beat Twist Coaster and Probert just saying like uh, so I mean like really you don't think Reeves could beat them like you know I'm not saying Reeves is gonna dummy him but dude 6'3 240 and like jacked and trained fighter and like, again, I'm not trying to be Reeves' press agent, but I mean, like, 
Really? Are we being serious here? <laughs> Again, I mean, I don't know why old line survived for a thousand games. Is he beating Ryan Reeves up? Can't see it. You know, like, like I, I, so I, I don't understand this mindset of like, oh, Ryan Reeves couldn't, wouldn't have lasted in the '80s or the '90s. Oh, I don't know, like Nevin Marquardt did. Like, just, what are we talking about? Dale Kushner did. Like, you know, like I, I don't know, Al Stewart. Like he, he's gonna take a round out of Reeves. Is Ken Danico gonna beat the shit out of Ryan Reeves? Like these guys all played hundreds and hundreds of games. Lyndon Byers is Byers gonna shit kick Reeves? Like no, but your examples are Coaster, Twist, and Bugard and 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 Goddard. Well, okay, so you pick like top ten all time guys who thrashed a lot of people, and that's your reasoning for why Reeves wouldn't survive back in the eighties and nineties. Like okay. <laughs> Again, what 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 are we doing? Chris Neal, Karkner, Peros. Like I said, Francois Larue. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, they all they all managed to remain upright. So I don't know why Ryan Reeves couldn't. Now, is Ryan Reeves gonna uh, you know dethrone Stu Grimson and Jim McKenzie as an all timer? No, I'm not saying that. So don't twist my words that I am. I'm not. But I don't. I, I this idea that he would just get zambonied if he ever fought these guys is ridiculous. And some of, the, like I said, some of these old guys just cling to this shit. And it's like you know, it's just. And and again, I don't. And you know, at the end of the day, like I mean, I can't stand current hockey. I don't watch current hockey, as everybody listening knows. Um, I haven't watched in over a decade. Um, but uh, but here I am. It almost seems like every you know every few episodes I'm I'm defending Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson or or someone like that, Lucic or whatever. Uh, you know, against people my age, like old fight message board guys and stuff. And it's just like you know, like we're talking about Lucic, and it's like some guys like, oh, uh, he'd be nothing against John Ferguson. It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, just... Well, uh, I just, I don't get it with some of these guys. Like, no, am I saying... Like, I'm not saying Reeves and Lucic would go clean house in the... Oh, you put them in the 80s, they'd clean house. I didn't say that. I'm not saying that. But this idea that they would somehow, like, they never win and they'd just be getting dropped left and right and everything. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Like... Stop. Just stop. And then at the same time, for guys like that are so few and far between these days, how do you not cheer for them? If you love if you claim to love fighting so much and the enforcer and the role and and you're you know, like they, they, one group is actually called the enforcer appreciation group, the irony of it. Um but yet somehow Reeves is a piece of shit. Like I don't understand it. Like should like I've said, shouldn't like I said to the guy today, shouldn't your anger be at the 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 other ninety five percent of the pussies in the NHL? Shouldn't that be who you're mad at? Why are you mad at Reeves? I mean, you can't see me. I just have my hands up, but it's just like 
what, what? Like, I, I don't get it. And like, same thing, like with, well, with the topic with, with Bissonette, like, why are we shitting on these guys? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, just cause they're not on your, I'm not a ranger guy. Well, so like, just like, that's what I said. Get past your fandom. Like who gives a shit? Like, like these guys are a dying breed. And it's just, but, so shouldn't they be embraced even more? But no, every, these guys just, at any time to take a shot at one of these guys, they'll do it. Oh, another typical Reeves bullshit fight. Oh, so it's Reeves' fault that the fight's bullshit. It wasn't Maroon's? Like, all I saw was Reeves engaging. I didn't see Maroon. I'm not knocking Maroon, but it's like, what are you shitting on Reeves for? Like, just again. Like, <laughs> Spot picker. Oh, God. Like, just. And then what is he? Oh, I was at the game where he wouldn't fight old man Rupp. What? Rupp? What was that, 10 years ago? Like, what What game are you talking? Oh, sure, he wouldn't fight. Oh, yeah, Reeves. The up-and-coming rookie who's trying to make, at that point, would be trying to make a name. For, I guess he'd be with St. Louis. Trying to make a name for himself and stick in the league. Yeah, he's going to duck Rupp twice. Yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. Like, that really happened. Sure, okay. Like, that's your big argument. Yeah, he ducked Rupp, and he wouldn't fight Goddard, or, and he couldn't last against Goddard or Bugard. Uh, all right. Yeah, uh-huh. okay, sure. Yeah, it's just, yeah. But for the guy who was saying that... um fighting is danger, more dangerous now than it was 20 years ago. I talked about this a while ago in the episode and it was more, my, my point was at the time, um, like I somewhat agree with them, but again, it, it's sort of, it's, it, it's the blind fight in the blind, really. When you, when you, with a lot of these kids fighting at that point, when they're around the same age, they came up in the same junior system with the same fight limits and everything else and the same mindset around fighting in terms of what the the hockey leagues that they came up in. So it's sort of an even even playing field. Where I said the issue would become is when one of these kids just coming up fights a Lucic or a Reeves or a Tom Wilson at this point, or in the American League when they run into a Brett Gallant or something like that. Like guys that have been battle tested and are, you know, have, you know, 75, 80, 100 fights under their belts in their careers. Um and then you have a kid coming out that wants to make a name, but you know, he's been under the OH, say he comes out of the Ontario Hockey League. There's a three fight limit in the Ontario Hockey League. So really this kid could be coming out of junior hockey with like nine, 10 career fights. Well, you know, Luch, when Lucci played for the Giants, I mean, that was the first half of the season. He had that many fights, you know, um, or Brett Gallant, I mean, you know, he's had those every year, you know, so it's like, uh, I said, that's when that we're still in that phase where the old guys are still there. And I, I, that was my worry about when one of these kids trying to make a name for themselves fights a Brett Gallant or something like that. That's when the injuries could really happen because, and I can't remember what prompted it. Somebody, one of these kids fought Lucic his name, I don't have it in front of me right now. It's escaping me. But he was a younger kid. Lucic tossed him around and kind of slapped the fuck out of him and whatever. And I said, something's, that's what's going to happen. Is some One of those kids is going to get really hurt fighting a guy like this. 
if he had fought someone that he came up again played against in the Ontario League or what have you, or a year or two separated. I mean, I'm not saying that the knockout still couldn't happen because, of course, they can. But it's it that's more even that's an even fight. Whereas if you're fighting like I, if one of these kids is in the American League and he fights Brett Gallant, who, in my opinion, is the best fighter in hockey. Like I'm thinking, if Brett Gallant played in the NHL, he'd be the champ. Like I don't think Lucic or Reeves is beating him. No, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, like, you know, in a best of five, yeah, they'd win or won a couple, but I think in an overall series of fights, in my opinion, Brett Gallant's the toughest guy in hockey. So, but with one of these kids fights him, oh man, yeah, that's asking for trouble. So, um, so once those guys are out of the game, which is, you know, in a few years, um, then I think it's, it's a lot more even and, um, you know, then it's whatever, but, um, but I get the the theme of what this guy was trying to say. But but like I said, a lot of the a lot of the comments were either like I said, living in fantasy land where it's the '80s guys would kill everybody, or oh, leg strength. That's where leg strength guy was and balance. And oh, today's guys they're so much better, and it's just like better at what? Like they're they have better science behind them, obviously, and the training techniques and everything are better, but. Um, fighting's fighting, tough is tough, and um, yeah, and like I said, it, it just comes down to an experience thing, which is where, where this guy was getting at, and um, you know, and I understood that, but you had your trolls coming out, whatever, but uh, but yeah, he was certainly on to something, but I think um, it just comes down to exp- it's just like anything, experience, and um, these, these kids now just don't have it, and um. Again, they do against their peers, but when they fight older guys, it's uh, that's where you can really see the, the difference come into play. And uh, yeah, in a few years, once that cycle, when, when we've reached that cycle of everybody that's in the leagues, in the minors, and in the NHL has gone through today's current junior system and mindset, then it'll be an even playing field. So a couple more years. But um, yeah, I knew what he was getting at, but... Uh, yeah, the message board, but yeah, this dork Chella Marco Cefalo that he didn't know. It was just like, oh my god, like figure out who you're talking to. And and really and Marco was being cool with him. He wasn't being an app, but he was just asking him, like, and kind of telling him, like and this guy's like, Oh, so you're sort of claiming to be an expert. It's like, oh yeah, he is. He, you know, like you got a hockey DB profile, and you played years in the pro, and you were in the Quebec League and the Central League, and you fought all these guys. It's like, yeah, that makes you an expert. Like, you know, so I I don't know what to tell you, but okay, buddy, whatever. You, you've logged lots of time on YouTube, so that makes you, you're, you're about the same. <laughs> yeah, that's like me. Oh, I got a bunch. I have 500 fight DVDs, so yeah, me and Marco are on the same level. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, come on, you guys. Like, what are we... Ugh. Stop. But, um, anyway. How about we get... Tim's dying for me to get... He's already fast-forwarded right to this point here. Uh, sign guy, or list guy... I, I always want to call you sign guy, Tim. List guy, Tim. Um, drinking his friggin' uh, blueberry squash ale. IPAs tuning in here on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, 
here we are. Let's click the link here. The Maple Leafs 7 Best Tough Guys. As I always say with these lists, I love doing these lists. And I have a Word doc there with all the with all the uh, links that I have saved from Jamie and Michael and those guys that have sent me these lists. Um, I kind of done the list as a, as a, as a fill in many episodes ago. And I was just saying how much fun they were and whatever. And then a couple of the listeners decided to send me, Oh, you gotta do this one, do this one next and whatever. So they've really, they've really actually the boys, you guys have bailed me out hard. Uh, because there's times, like I said, I'm just like, what am I going to talk about? Um, you know, if a guest doesn't show up or, you know, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, sometimes you just don't think about it. You know, life gets in the way, you got shit going on and all of a sudden turn around it's Saturday night or it's, you know, Tuesday night and it's like, oh shit, I need to record something. So these lists have been sort of a real godsend, um, you know, but, uh, and like I always say, I don't, uh, I don't go over them ahead of time. I'm discovering them with you, the listener. So I, I want you, my reaction is genuine to what you're, when I read it, uh, cause this is the first time I've seen these. So I think that makes it a little more fun as well. So yeah, let's get into this. This is from, uh, what have we got here? The hockey writers from well, 2017. So it's fairly new. Well, I guess that's what five, that's five years. Oh man, that's five years. I, I'm still, I can't wrap around my head around 2022 still. I can't, that's weird. But, uh, yeah, Maple Leafs, seven best tough guys. All right. <clears throat> Over the years, the Leafs have had a number of players who can be described as toughs. Stars like Sittler, Gilmore, Salming, and Roberts. Favorites like Belak, Tucker, and Shaq. The Leafs, the Leafs have had historically had a tough team, but there have been those who have se- who were seen as the toughest of them all, not all necessary fighters, though being willing and able to chuck knuckles helps. But these seven players were noted by their opponents, loved by the least faithful, and will go down as the toughest to wear their Maple Leafs jersey. I Okay, so right away, well, if he's listing Belak and Tucker and those guys um, in the, you know, honorable mention section, so, I well, right away, I would have I would have had Belak in seven toughest of all. Yeah, I probably would have. Um, but let's see this list here. We'll go over it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about who wasn't in the list after. Um um, okay. Now, bear with. Sorry, folks. I clicked, clicked out of it here. Click back on. <clears throat> All right. Number seven. Big Daddy Bob McGill. All right. Yeah. In the early 80s, the Leafs were a team with many troubles. There were some decent scores, but not enough scoring to outcome the deficit. Overcome the deficits. Goaltending was shaky. Defensive core was young and inexperienced. And ownership was always meddling in personal decisions. But one thing the team had was a couple guys in the blue line who weren't afraid to mix it up. Among them... Bob McGill. McGill describes how he got his nickname. A guy I played with in St. Catharines in the American Hockey League was reading his book about Big Daddy Lipscomb, who had played in the NFL. He was supposed to be the, supposed to be the toughest guy. I got into a couple scraps, came in the dressing room, and he started calling me Big Daddy. There you go. Big kid from Leduc, Alberta, stepped into his first NHL season as a 19-year-old Maple Leaf with, uh, a team with personal issues. He didn't waste any time accumulating 263 minutes in 68 games. Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, he ranks eighth in the franchise's all-time penalty minute list. Yeah, uh, yeah, big, I was a big, I'm a big fan of Bob McGill. Like I said, he was always there, big, you know, sandpaper blue liner. Um, you know, was he ever, you know, was he ever going to be the heavyweight champ of the league? No. Um, would he fight the heavyweight champ of the league? Yes, he fought Probert a few times. Um, I know Probert got him, dropped him the one, but, uh, I know, yeah, I, actually, Probert headbutted the shit out of one of their fights, too. Um, 
I know Probert had good things. I mean, he battled McGill a few times. They ended up being teammates uh, in Chicago. Um, and uh, But Probert did have a, a lot of respect for Bob McGill. I think a lot of guys did. And, uh, yeah, he was just one of those guys, right? Shit went south. He was in there, uh, wouldn't take any shit. Which is one of those old school blue liners. And I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're a fan of tough, grinded out sandpaper hockey, I mean, you gotta be a fan of Bob McGill. I mean, I'm down with uh, Big Daddy. That's, yep. I agree. Number seven, Bobby Bond. There you go. Winner of two Memorial Cups, uh, and four Stanley Cups to the least. Bond is known for one of the most memorable displays of toughness ever. Uh, Bond was, Known as one of the cleanest and hardest hitters of his time. He was a solid defender. Not very flashy with the puck, but he could rock opponents with hard checks. Um, but Bomb would be best known for having his foot broken by Gordie Howe's shot in Game 6. Then scoring the winning goal in overtime. I thought it was a leg, not his foot. Uh, but anyway, uh, Bomb was never known as goal. Decided he, never known as a scorer, but had decided he was just he was not going to miss overtime. So the doctor figured he couldn't hurt the foot any worse. Froze it, laced the skate back up. Uh, Boomer's goal, even the series, and at least won the cup a couple nights later without a guy like Bobby Bond to tough it out. It's unlikely they would have, uh, that would have been the outcome. Yeah, I mean, um, I know Bond, um, I know he, I, I, I know he fought Ferguson and Reg Fleming a couple times. Um, cause I was, I have Ferguson's book here and I was kind of thumbing through it the other day and I, I saw Bond's name come up in it. Um, I'm certainly not, I mean, you know, obviously it was kind of before video. I mean, I'm sure there's some video out there of him, but I don't know how many, I'm pretty sure if you went onto YouTube, I don't think you'd be tuned into any Bobby Bond tilts. Maybe you would find one or two, but I mean, maybe on the old classic Leafs network, they might've played a game where he fought Ferguson or something. But uh, yeah, um, I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and, and talk about, you know, all of Bobby Bond's fights or anything. So um so there you go at number six. I, again, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, obviously, I guess the criteria, yeah, for toughness. I mean, it goes, I guess it's obviously goes beyond fighting because, um, you know, obviously if it was like a fighter's list, Bond wouldn't be on it. So clearly whatever this uh, list, it, they're just kind of just, they're, they're kind of just the, the toughness blanket. Number five, Red Horner. Well, if anybody, a few episodes ago, I had Steve from when Probert was king on my show, and we talked about the early days of the NHL in the in the in the 1910s and 20s and stuff. And he had gotten up to like what was it, 1930, I believe, or 35. Um, he's just because he's a historian, he loves going back through the old days, and um, and he and he really wanted to get some early fight cards and just and going through newspapers.com and that type of thing. It's a really cool episode. Give it a listen. Um, and he talks about Joe Hall and all that stuff and then Spray Cleghorn and um, but, but one of the guys he'd mentioned was Red Horner, who played from 28 to, 1928 to 1940. And um, yeah, the first Leafs player to be taken on the policeman role was Red Horner. Uh, Horner, known for being the big kid who could impress people with a crash of bang style. Um, Horner played 12 seasons with the Leafs, served as captain for two of those. He led the NHL in penalty minutes in seven seasons. No other player in history has led the league more than four times. And he set a record for penalty minutes in a single season with 167 in 1935, a record that stood until the mid-50s. He retired from the NHL as the career penalty minute leader and held that mark for 17 years. In 490 games, uh, he had 1,254 penalty minutes. Yeah, um... Again, you know, it's 1928 to 1940. <laughs> I'm sure there's not a lot of uh, fight DVDs with Red Horner on Red Horner on them, but uh, unfortunately, um, 
again, I'm sure there's probably some film somewhere. Um, and I, you know, um, again, I, I can't, I've never read up on, I've heard the name and I've heard some of the stories about him being like really mean and a big hitter and would, would fight and was kind of one of the original, whatever, or the, what was Steve called? Oh, bad men. I know the newspaper referred to him in the, in the 1928 30s and stuff as the, as the other team's bad men or the policemen or whatever. So, um, you know, there's, there's obviously the, the newspaper articles about him and, and stuff like that, but, uh, um, it's always interesting. Like I said, if you're a fight fan, if you want to go back and, um, just some of the historical stuff is really cool. And, uh, and like, uh, and like we're, I was saying with, with the episode with Steve and it, and it's, and it rings true. Um, you know, there's, there's no Bob Probert or, or, uh, Wade Belak without Red Horner and, you know, or Sprague Cleghorn or Joe Hall. I mean, those guys all started, started it all. And, and, you know, as we went through decade after decade, and then you got your Howes and then your Ferguson's and then your O'Reilly's and the Schultz's and, and, and that type of thing into the eighties with the Dave Browns and twists and Probert's and yeah, everything is from the other. And, uh, you know, um, I think if, if, if you, and I think a lot of the people obviously that listen to this show are truly hockey fight fans. And, um, obviously some more diehard than others, myself and Steve and that type of, oh, Steve's more diehard than me. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, but I, I just love just, just learning about the history of the game and, and the, the toughness of it and, uh, and where it came from and how these guys and the guys that started it. And, and Red Horner was a big part of that. Like they said, led, leading the league in, um, uh, seven to, or, uh, yeah, seven seasons of penalty minutes. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't racking up 30, 40 tilts or anything like Paul Laws was, but, um, for his time period, uh, yeah, man, there you go. Red Horner, number five. Number four, Tim Horton. There you go. Not just for donuts and coffee. Uh, six-time All-Star, four-time Cup winner, Tim Horton, with a well-known by opponents and teammates alike, one of the strongest players to ever lace him up, along with Bon, Carl Brewer, and Alan Stanley Horton was a member of one of the best defensive corps ever put together. Uh, began his career in 49, one point played 468 consecutive games. Like Bonnie is a physical defenseman. Opponent John Ferguson once remarked, Horton's the hardest body checker I've ever come up against. He's as strong as an ox and hits with terrific force. Um, Horton wasn't a scrapper. As Bobby Hall remarked, there were defensemen you feared because they were vicious and would slam you into the boards from behind, but you respected Tim Horton because he didn't need that type of intimidation. He used his tremendous strength and talent to keep you in check. Um, is in fact, knowing that Horton had no pension for violence, he just did not play that way. Still, he was tough as nails and would not back down from a check. Whenever a scrum broke out, he was famous for wrapping guys up, sometimes more than one in a bear hug, and he would just not let go until things calmed down said Horton often regretted how many penalties he took as a young player due to what he felt was a quick temper. Um, he was still an active NHL player for the Sabres when he died in a car crash in 1974. Oh, that's funny. I, well, that's not funny. Uh, poor, <laughs> poor choice of words. Um, I didn't, re- I knew he had died in a car crash. I didn't realize he was still playing when he died. Um, fourth on the all time list in penalty minutes. It's interesting with 1300, but, uh, it's more due to the fact, well, due to the fact he played 1100 games as a leaf. Yeah. Okay. That's true. I was going to say for a guy that did take a lot of penalties. Um, yeah, again, they said, oh, obviously he wasn't much of a fighter. Um, so it, it, it's an interesting, um, uh, that, that I, like I said, the criteria of this list clearly is just sort of, they're, they're using the term toughness and just sort of blanketing it. 
um, in terms of like a body tracker, just a physical sandpaper guy, which sounds like Horton was. Um, well, I was an all-star. Obviously, he was a talented player as well. But sounds just kind of just one of those gritty blue liners that you know would play the man and and that type of thing. So, um, again, I I mean I don't, I don't think I've I might actually I have seen a Tim Horton fight. Um, it was just recently I saw it. Now who was he fighting? It wasn't much of a fight. They mostly wrestled. Um, ah, damn, I can't remember who it was. I want to say Bellavo. Mm. Anyway wasn't much of a fight, but, uh, regardless, um, yeah, it depends. Like I said, I guess, um, depending on your criteria, what like, if I was making lists, obviously I would just go by fighting prowess. So Tim Horton would not make my list, but he makes an excellent Boston cream donut. Number three, Ty Domi. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, one of the better heavyweights in his NHL during his career, drafted by Toronto in the second round, 89, traded the following summer, uh, and then came back after the Jets, blah, blah. I mean, I don't have to read you about Ty. I don't have to explain Ty Domi to the listeners. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if I was doing a Leafs best fighter, I would myself, I would have Domi at number one, uh, simply for the fact of longevity. Um, what is there to say about Ty Domi? The guy was probably about, what, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, you know, probably 200. Um, you know, obviously strong. Well, while people have always have remarked how strong he was. Head like a bowling ball. And uh, he had that style where he kind of, you know, get you circling and he'd throw the, throw the big roundhouse, uh, big looping punches. And, but, hey, solid skater, really good, solid body checker. Um, per, performed the enforcer role, um, Solid. I mean, Sandine and them never got messed with, and uh, he had a great career. And uh, when he first came up with the Rangers, I couldn't stand him, but uh, um, he grew on me over the years. When he got to Winnipeg, I, I became a fan. And then with Toronto, watching him on Hockey Night Can all the time, because um, I was right around the time, like, um, uh, we were just out of high school, so we're, you know, living in the, you know, the old flop house there, and we'd watch Hockey Night in Canada, and then, you know, pre-game it with the drinks, and then, you know, hit the bars and whatever, but, so we, I, we watched a lot of Leafs games back then, you know, Bomber and Domi and them running around, and, um, yeah, we were all Domi fans, so no, I'm down with Ty Domi. I'd have him at one, though, myself. Number two. Yeah, Wendell Clark. Well, there you go. I mean, again, number one, first choice overall in 85. Um, 30 fights as a rookie. Um, yeah, big time body, power forward, power, you know, body, unbelievable hitter. Again, I don't, I mean, I don't have to, you guys listen, I don't have to sell you on Wendell Clark. You guys all know about Wendell Clark. So, um, yeah, man, great fighter. Fought everybody. Unfortunately, injuries really limited him. Um, you know, I, he toned, definitely, after his first few years, an injury started taking their toll. He really toned down the fighting. But he would still not back down, as proven, you know, obviously with the the famous McSorley fight in the playoffs. But and him and Fart, Marty fought up. Oh, pardon me. Mar, him and Marty fought a few times. And, um, yeah, he uh, yeah he didn't back down from anybody. And, um, yeah, I can see him at number two on the list. Um I'm, I'm assuming I know who number one is, but, uh, uh, yeah, Sastoon boy, um, or Sastoon blade, uh, Calvington kid, Saskatchewan guy, 
was one of my favorites growing up. And, um, yeah, what more is there to say but Wendell Clark? Wendell, Wendell's the man. Number one, yeah, there you go, Tiger Williams. Um, NHL's all-time career penalty minute leader. Um, drafted in the second round of 74 by the Leafs. Um, yeah, he could hit, play, and he could play. Um, you know, uh, again, he would go on. Yeah, he scored no fewer than 18 goals. Uh, even back down on scraps and whatever. He, um, yeah, he was a power forward, man. And uh, if you go back and look at his numbers, I mean, dude make $10 million a year if he played now. A lot better player than people give him credit for. Like I said, when you're the all-time penalty minute, it's like, oh, he must be King Goon. It's like, yeah, shut up. You know, like, you know, he had 30 goal seasons and stuff in Vancouver and 20 goal seasons with the Leafs and stuff. When he was in the WHL playing with the Swift Current Broncos, fucking guy had 50 goals and 100 points. And like, like 300 minutes. Like, it's unbelievable. It was like Sega Genesis stats. Um, no, Tiger Williams is a tremendous player. And, uh, but yeah, he had the, he wouldn't back down from anybody, fought everybody. Was he the greatest fighter? Eh, no. Um, you know, I, he certainly would have whipped Ryan Reeves though. <laughs> you know, oh, come on. But, um, well, like I said, it was just that list to go back, to completely go off what I was saying before, but everybody I just threw on that list are any of those guys mopping up Ryan Reeves? No. I'm not saying Reeves is going to smoke all these guys, but is Wendell Clark going to destroy Reeves? Is Domi going to destroy Reeves? McGill? It's like, no. So stop with your stupid talk. But, um, but getting back to, uh, to Tiger. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, all time penalty minute. I mean, obviously a record that'll never be broken. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a hot dog, rode the stick and everything else. It was a loud mouth and, wasn't afraid to, you know, he'd flap his lips and he'd do interviews and like somebody used to say, oh, he told it like it is. Yeah, he did. But I mean, you know, I've always found a lot of people that were like, when they, whenever somebody says they're brutally honest, they're basically just saying they're assholes. <laughs> That's why it's always sort of been my, uh, my, my interpretation of it. But, uh, no, but I mean, he, uh, he wasn't afraid to speak his mind and, and, um, yeah, and he got shit. I know he was charged with assault there. That was a big case. Um, if you do a YouTube search, uh, just Tiger Williams assault charge, and they, they go through the whole court thing, and he got found not guilty. But he does an interview and stuff where he talks about it. And, I mean, the Crown Prosecutor in Ontario was trying to make a name for himself and was playing political bullshit. And, I mean, some things never change, right? But, uh, um, but they talk about all that. And uh, it's an interesting little article. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, again, if we're going fighting ability, no, I wouldn't have Tiger Williams in front of Domi or Wendell Clark. Um, I would have Tiger third on that list. Um, I'm just thinking Leafs. Yeah, like I said, I would have had Belak on there. Um, trying to think. Uh, well, you got the Bomber, uh, Colt Noor, um, Cordic. Todd Gill, there's a guy really underrated, doesn't get brought up enough, but Todd Gill had some awesome fights. Like I would like instead of like a Tim Horton on the list or whatever, you could have put a Todd Gill in there. I you know that would have made a lot more sense in my opinion. Um, and like instead of Bobby Bond or whatever. I mean, I get what the guy was going with with the Horton and Bond thing. Okay, I get it. But if we're just talking fighters, um, obviously I would have had Gill on there instead of those guys. Um, I'm just trying to think, of my list would be it'd be like Domi, Clark, Tiger. Um, no, it'd be it would be Domi. Clark, Belak, Tiger. That's four. 
Yeah, I can see McGill. Cordic. No, I'd have Colton Orr in there too. I'd have to write this shit out. Colton Orr would be on my top seven at the Leafs history. Um, and uh, maybe maybe Bomber. I don't think Cordic played enough. Though how many have games that Baumgartner played? That'd be interesting. I think Baumgartner would have played more games as a Leaf than, than Cordic did. Um, but yeah, Todd Gill. Um, Brian, I mean, Brian Curran, uh, eh. I mean, willing, I'm not knocking Curran, he's willing, but he is a bit of a catcher, but, uh, um, Brian McCabe, guy like that, or Roberts, or Corson, Tucker, um, you know, you, you had sandpaper guys like that, I'm not saying they were, like, old wicked fighters or anything, but they wouldn't back down from anybody, um, you know, the Leafs had a few runoff with one, you know, one season guys, um, Warren Reichel played there. Um, Berube. I think Berube played for very long. But just guys like that. I mean, obviously, Berube's a tough dude. He's probably in my top 20 of all time. But um, in terms of, like, his time with the Leafs, no, I wouldn't put him on the list. But uh, anyway, guys, there you go. From one of the storied franchises in NHL history, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like I said, I think I'm pretty sure we did an all-time 20 list from somewhere else. But I'm sure it was completely different than that. Um, but, uh, anyway, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Like I said, it's getting late here. It's about 1130. So, and I stupidly agreed to go in and work overtime tomorrow. So, um, yeah, yeah, you lose money in Vegas. You gotta, you gotta take the overtime when you can get it right. Um, anyway, guys, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you happen to be on social media, definitely give me a follow on Twitter as well as at Facebook. Um, if you have any comments, uh, questions, and you're not on social media, uh, email me, hockeyfights, all one word, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. That's right, it's still a Hotmail account. Send me, like John did, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the show, um, what have you, I appreciate it. I, I'm always, I love the feedback, definitely. Or if you just want to bullshit, hey, send, you know, I always love hearing from the fight fans, definitely. So, um, and also, uh, fourth line voice on YouTube. I just put a couple fights up today. Probably put some more up tomorrow. Um, I have over 2,700 fight videos and they're all sorted by league. So whatever league you're looking for, junior to pro, it's all there. So just type OHL, IHL, AHL, NHL, blah, blah, blah. Tiger Williams, Wade Belak. I don't have any Bobby Bond videos though. But Wendell, got a few Wendell Clark ones though. And, uh, definitely give them a, li- uh, a look-see. Uh, I think you'll dig it. But, uh, subscribe to the channel for sure. I'll always put new stuff up. And, uh, yeah, guys, um, one last thing, I always throw this out there. I know it's corny, but, uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the search engines. I'm told like when somebody listens to spit and chicklets, it'll be, Oh, you might enjoy this show as well. And then my show would be listed. So that helps me out. That helps grow the show. And, um, Hey, at the end of the day, guys, like I always say, and I and I appreciate everybody that takes the time listening to the show and the feedback. Is been getting a lot of feedback lately. Last last month or two, I've been a lot more interactive with with listeners. It's been really cool. I really enjoy it, and I love hearing from you guys. Um, like I always tell everybody, um, yeah, guys, you guys are my billboard. Um, you know, I put it out on on social media as much as I can, but. A lot of people that would probably enjoy the show, enjoy the old time fight talk. A lot of, like I always say, the old message board guys. Like I always say, this is like audio message board. They would probably really enjoy this podcast or Alex show or Joe's, but they're not social media guys, which I believe me, I completely understand why people are not on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So they probably don't even know about these podcasts. Um, 
if you know someone like that, please pass it on and hell show them how to use the bloody podcast, uh, uh, app. And, um, yeah, cause I think that that's what will grow the show word of mouth from you guys. Uh, if you have a friend that's into the old time fights or he's a leaf guy, you should listen to this leaf list. You might like it uh, or what have you. I would greatly appreciate that. Like I always say, you guys are, um, it's the people show. I, I do this show for you guys. And, and, uh, if, and in return, if you guys could help me out and just spread the word, um, I would really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. Cause that's how we're going to grow this. Cause other than that, cause I said, it's a, I, especially with a show like mine, it's a real niche audience. It really is. And I understand that, but you know, it's not like, Oh, it's a Calgary flames podcast. Well, there's a million Calgary flames fans. So you sort of have an unlimited resource, you know, um, to, to, to grab from, but when it's a fight specific podcast, people under 25 pretty much aren't going to listen because they don't really like fighting or have any idea who I'm talking about. So they're not going to tune in. And those are the people that are predominantly on social media are like the, you know, 16 to 25, I would assume are the biggest, uh, you know, consumers of social media. So my show sort of falls on deaf ears at that point. My show is definitely geared to the 30 and over crowd for sure. Um, not saying there isn't younger people that listen cause there are Alec being one of them is, you know, hell he has his own show and he's under 30, but, um, but you know what I'm saying for the most part, I'm definitely, my show is sort of for the older crowd and the older, and a lot of times the, the disenfranch, the disenchanted crowd that doesn't really watch hockey anymore, can't stand the new stuff and isn't on social media. So but that's who would probably really enjoy my show. So I have no way of kind of getting to them and letting them know. So if you, like I would say for anybody listening, if you know of someone that might be into it, um, Hey, if you could pass on the link to my show, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Like I said, we'll try to grow it and keep the show going. And, uh, yeah, I'll try to keep bringing you guys content. And, uh, like I said, for a few hours, well, two shows a week, a few hours a week, um, if you can put on your headphones and get distracted and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Big Daddy McGill and, and, and stuff like that for, for a couple hours. I think that's pretty cool. So, uh, anyway, guys, uh, I really appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen to the show. And, um, I know I've been saying that a lot lately, but it, oh, sorry, banging on my keyboard. I know I've been saying that a lot lately, but, and it's true. I'm not just, it's not lip service. Um, no, and like I said, it's probably because of the feedback I'm getting, and I'm seeing the show growing, and uh, yeah, and I, and it's become it becomes a lot more apparent. Like I mean, you know, people listen, but it becomes when you get the feedback from people, it it becomes um, I would say it becomes more real. Like I said, sometimes I just sit here, sitting in the dark and yelling into my microphone, and you you wonder if anyone's listening. So when you get feedback and that confirmation that there are that there are people listening. Um, very humbling and very, uh, that's just a really cool feeling. And I know this is all broken record. I've said it a million times, but it's true. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just been a lot lately. It's, I really, and I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, anytime, especially as a creator, you, you want to get that feedback. Um, and like I said, that doesn't have to kiss my ass and all that. It's, I'm not saying that, but just the feedback in general, like I always say, good, bad, or otherwise I can, I can handle constructive criticism. I mean, you know, God knows I've gotten things. Your show is brutal. Okay, well, you know, guess you're not listening anymore. But, uh, you know, and that's whatever. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, 
you know, uh, some of my closest friends and, and relatives and family members are constructive criticism. And that's good. You need that. And I greatly appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, all feedback is welcome for sure. So anyway, guys, I'm going to shut up. I got to upload this and, and, uh, get it ready for Sunday morning consumption. And then I got to go to work. So, uh, I will, uh, I will talk to you cats on Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, enjoy your Sunday. And, uh, or if you happen to be listening to this on Monday, let's attack the work week and, uh, we'll get at her. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?